Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. You've heard of Stacey Keach. She's been everywhere from the stage, film, television, voiceovers. You know, we'll talk about American Greed. He's on that program as well. And very acclaimed, as a matter of fact, just yesterday in Variety Magazine, he was in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You got that star, and he's with us now. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. So how does that feel? I mean, among the other accolades, uh, so now people are <laughs> not walking all over you. People are admiring <laughs> the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So it's quite They're an walking honor. walking all over me. That, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It's great. Um, my dear departed mother had two wishes in her life. One was that I had my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and the other was to be a, a clue in the New York crossword puzzle, which I I managed to accomplish that before she passed away. That's really yeah. that's awesome. But she's smiling down from above. That's yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, everyone who's and people know your name, and it, it's just uh, I think it's a great honor, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, so now you're you're getting more work now than you probably ever have, and it seems like, you know, being a well-rounded person, a well-rounded actor, it, it pays off in this business, doesn't it? When you can succeed in different genres. I've always said, you know, it, it really, had, I mean, it's a survival technique more than any other reason. I mean, you know, the more you can do uh, as a performer, uh, the better. I mean, in the old days, you know, you used to be what they called a triple threat guy. You had to be able to sing, dance. That's right. And act. You had that was just normal procedure, you know, and those times have changed because people become more specialized. But I, I always encourage my friends and young actors particularly to, to do both comedy and tragedy, to do stage as well as 
film, uh, getting yourself in front of a camera. Because when I first started in movies, I was terrified of the camera. I was, hmm. I was very self-conscious about it. And it was Gordon Willis, who was a cameraman on End of the Road, a movie, one of my early movies, who came up to me and he said, Stacy, I noticed you're, you're a little tense. Uh, I want to come over here. I want to introduce you to Mitchell. He took me over to the camera and he started talking to the camera like it was a person. Hmm. He said, meet Mitch. And uh, <laughs> people thought it was crazy. You know? And then he went over and there was an Aeroflex. That was a handheld camera in those days. Yeah. Aeroflex. He said, meet Ari. So, I mean, I, people thought I was great. I was thinking, <laughs> I'm talking to these cameras like they're people. But it over, I overcame my self-consciousness as, as a result. You know, and if I, well, I mean, it makes sense. And uh, I would imagine if, unless there's a natural type of element, people, people really can sense that really, even if you meet like, Hey, Mike, meet Joe, meet Frank. Uh, okay. there's, if it's not a natural type of feel, you, we have a BS detector in us that says that's, that's not, right. you know what I mean? And so and it yeah. makes sense to, to, to look into the camera. Uh, like, and do you feel that? How is, how's your relationship with Mitchell now? Oh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, God love us. I mean, the, the technology that we have today, kids are making movies with their iPhones. It's so true. You know, uh, which is great. I mean, it, artistic expression. And um, I, I'm all for it. I think it's wonderful. And one of the people that did that, I think his last name is Rodriguez, a director that you work with for Sin City. And uh, and he started like that with just a handheld type of, you know, real. And he the, the studios took notice of this guy that he, he could do big things with, you know, and and there you are. And if you go on YouTube and you look at Stacey Cage getting the, the makeup job there for Sin City. How did you sit through that? Oh, that was that was that's an ordeal. I mean, that was an ordeal. <laughs> But I mean, but I enjoy it. You know, it's like, it reminds me when I was, when I was growing up, my dad loved Halloween and he used to dress my brother and me up in all these different makeups and all different kinds of uh, things. So when I'm, when I sit in the makeup chair and I see myself transformed, I love that. I really do. Now it's, it's, it's you have to be, first of all, you can't be claustrophobic. No. <laughs> That's a very, very important thing. Because when people, when they go under the, what I call the, the, the mask, when you, when you get the mask, you, know, you have to be able to hold your breath and, uh, and not feel like, you know, and not be claustrophobic. It looked like such an ordeal. And the finished product was amazing. And you're lying. Well, they're amazing. They're great, great artists. They're great artists. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't know how people would do that. But I was wondering, just, I'm going to ask uh, Stacey if he enjoys that. And it sounds like you, you don't mind doing it. Uh, no. Because, yeah, it, it, that's all part of it, isn't it? I mean, do you embrace just everyone? You're not one of those actors that, you know, give me my lines and let me go. You embrace the whole process, right? The stage hands, the makeup people. It takes a team. Right? Yeah, we're all part of the same. We're we're all create. We're all we all have the same goal, and that is to create something uh, wonderful the, the, using the, the, our our respective talents and to do you know what our particular whatever our job is, whether it's uh, a, being a stunt man or a sound man or a makeup man or a, an actor. I mean, we're all you know in the same boat. Did you ever want to be a stuntman? Like, if you look at Mike Hammer and, uh, yeah. you know, you're a good-looking guy. Well, well no, right? I know. You know, I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think of dear Jim Garner because 
he was like me. We loved to do it. I loved doing my own stunts back in the day. And it was fun. I mean, because I was always very athletic and I liked running and hitting and this and that. But I mean, you know, taking falls, you, that gets old after a certain, like for, after age 40, no more. That's it. <laughs> Let the stuntman do it, you know. Well, uh, you put it all out there in your book, All in All, and your memoir. And I want to ask you something because, you know, you're very candid and people, uh, that's one of the things they write in the reviews. Very candid man. He's talking like he's talking to family or just friends. And right. they, they actually like your writing style. You have that gift as well. And that was, I guess, kind of like a Barbara Walters question. How is the Stacey Keach of today versus the Stacey Keach when, when you were younger? How have you, how have you evolved as, as a person and as an actor? Well, I think I'm hopefully a, a lot wiser than I, you know. Uh, also, I get, uh, I'm not able to physically do some of the stuff that I was able to do when I was younger. But I think, you know, from a, from a psychological point of view and from a spiritual point of view, I'm, I'm much more mature. Than, mm -hmm. You know, and I think that, that that's a great comfort it really is uh i think when you're young uh, you, there are certain tensions that you have in terms of what you, your goals are what your objectives are and i think that a lot of times when we have expectations that are unfulfilled that we can't fulfill for some reason that are not necessarily our, our own doing uh we get depressed mm. and things you know start to go south and that turned you can turn to drugs Yes. You know, things like that, you know, and that, that happens to a lot of us. I mean, uh, when I was younger, it happened to me. I mean, uh, but it happened in the midst of success, which we, which you see a lot where actors that are young and successful. And was it, what does that mean when it's too much too soon? Or is how is it difficult? It's almost like an actor and an athlete also not being yes, able to exactly. understand. What is that like? Because for a lot of people like, you know, let's be honest, they wish they were you. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, what happens, I think it's, an, it's a form of entitlement. Hmm. You feel when, when success comes your way and you're not expecting it, yeah. it, it feels good. Then the next time, then you start to, you begin to think of yourself in different terms. Very dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. To, and, and entitlement issues, I think, are the great destroyer of a lot of people. They get one little movie that's good, or they get a part mm. of something, and then they start acting like, you know, they become a different person. Oh, I, I can name a couple. I can think of a couple of people when you, you know, you. Yeah. <laughs> we all know people that that's happened yeah. to. And it's just, you know, it's it's not a it's not it, it's not a good thing. It's just it's self destructive. Because you think it's going to go on forever and they realize, wow. wait a minute, you could look at, you know, I'm just going to say like a, a certain actor in a family comedy series. How about that? that that's tweeted something and <laughs> it's like we could all be replaced. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Well, Everybody's expendable. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's well, the life. You learn that sometimes. I mean, you learn it the hard way. You know? Yes. Hopefully and you don't have to go down that road. And that's where, you know, you were candid in your book. I mean, when you were young, you, it was a cocaine addiction, but you met uh, um, a chap who took interest in you and took and, and, and you became a Roman Catholic and very devout in your faith. And then that's, you know, something that uh, I've seen you on uh, with Catholic television, too. <laughs> it was a good interview you did as well. And um, so that's important. You know, you, it, it, like you say, I guess these learning lessons 
Um, but I like the redeeming value that you uh, have in your book where you, you lay yourself bare a little bit. And I think that uh, whether you're an actor or a person, it takes a strong person to be vulnerable where other people can say, you know what, I, I'm like that too. You know, and rather than, you know, Stacey Keach, uh, Photoshop, no, you, you were able in your book all in all to, uh, to talk real about your life. And yes. And one of the things that, you know, people are just, uh, if you don't mind me saying as well, when you hear the American greed on television, that you are the narrator, it just comes out like a freight train, that voice. And it seems, you know, there are a lot of voices vying for our attention, commercials, television programs, but, but your voice, when I heard it and I didn't know who it was, I thought to myself that, uh, you know, this is very different. There, there is a power and, and the storytelling, and, and, you know, you can't go to sleep until you watch the rest of the episode. And you're getting a lot of accolades for this. Well, thank you. Well, you know, it has a lot to do, I think, with the quality of the show. First of all, we know that there's no end to greed. Greed is, you know, it's one of the seven deadly sins. It's going to be with us forever. But I think that the quality of the television presentation has a lot to do with the stories and the interviews and the people, the people, whether they're the victims or the bad guys, or the the intermediaries, the you know they have to be interesting. There have to be interesting stories. If the stories are good, then I think then the show works. I mean, uh, and it's much credit I think to Chuck Schaefer and Curtis Productions um, for giving me great material to work with. It's something that has resurrected your career for a while. You've been doing voiceovers. How long? I mean, all in all, I know the show, 13 years, but how long have you been, you know, been asked to do narration? And, uh, oh, I get, well, you know, I, it goes back quite a ways. Uh, I did Nova for 10 years uh, back in the, I guess it was the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I've been doing it pretty much my whole, my whole career. And um, in the comedy, that, that, that is, I mean, we, we tell, you have to, first of all, it, with their voiceover and narration, you got to have the timing down. You have to have it. And, and when you tell that story, oh my goodness, and I'm repeating, I'm trying to act like you know, what I'm listening to. I guess that's yeah. the biggest form of flattery where you start saying American greed. And I start telling that to my wife. She goes, oh, be quiet. And uh, yeah. no, this, guy's, this is really great. And, um, but it, it also comes to uh, whether it's stage or comedy and your comedy chops when you, you know, I want to look online and uh, you look at Titus. Um, uh-huh. That's where people are surprised also in the comedy, the, uh, the timing part. Um, do you like a good zinger? Because you, you sure know how to, you know, deliver one of those zingers where uh, they don't expect it. And then it's funny. Well, I, well, thank you. I'm glad. Yeah. My dad was a he was a great teacher. He was also a very funny man, and he had a great sense of timing. And uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's also practice. I I, I tell young actors say go on television, look at somebody on television, and try to imitate exactly what they're doing, whether it's good or bad. Just you know, just pick somebody and uh, and, and just be them for you know, and try to emulate their timing. And the more that you do that, the more flexible you become in terms of your ability to regulate your timing mechanism uh, so that it becomes instinctive rather than um, manufactured, you know, because it has to be intuitive. It really, ultimately, it has. And the only way to do that, I think, is to fill up your computer, fill up your well with riches, you know, uh, 
and alternatives and all in a lot of different colors. Are you a funny guy in real life? Are you more serious? Are you yeah. are you everything that you are? You ever you ever say, well, I'm not like the guy that I portray on television or in the comedy series, or is there a little bit of everything in there? Well, I think of myself. I, I, you know, I, I like to think of myself as being funny. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing voices. I really do. I I love doing voices all the time, and I do different voices <laughs> all day long. You want to do, do one? I'll pretend I'm you know a character, and you could you know well. Where, where are you? Where are you from? Well, I'm from Bradenton, uh, Bradenton, Florida. All right, that sounds pretty good. You got a pretty good voice there yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I, and, I and I'm doing this one-man show right now uh, about Ernest Hemingway. And he tells stories about people in his life and sort of becomes that person. So he has to take on the, the vocal characteristics of that person. He talks about Bugs, Bugsy Siegel in the very beginning of his experience because he just won the Nobel Prize and he's got writer's block. He can't finish mm. his sentence. <laughs> and he thinks it's because he said he calls it the Nobel curse. He said, you know, I, I've always said that anybody who ever won the Nobel wrote nothing but crap after winning it. <laughs> ben Siegel, Bugsy Siegel, that was before the boys did away with him. Yeah. He scrolled it up to me one day and he said, Ernie, why don't you ever get any of these prizes? I see other writers getting <laughs> What's the trouble, Ernie? There's got to be some way that can be rigged. <laughs> well, Bugsy was right. I mean, there is a way to rig the award. I mean, hell, I rigged it. And here's how I did it. A couple of years ago, I managed to survive two plane crashes in two days. And I think the Nobel committee was afraid I'd die before they finally got around to me. So they gave it to me. Hmm. You know, there's, and is that a character also that you have a particular interest in? Or is that you have to take an interest in all the characters, you're, you're able to figure them out. I mean, there is that psychological process. You seem very meticulous in your preparation, but do you have any, uh, uh, not attraction, but do you have a, an affinity towards, uh, toward that particular character? Well, I, I, to a certain degree, yes. I mean, I like to do research with people and find out what they, you know, what the, I like to find out what, what people's, what their dreams are, what their fears are, hmm. what, what their, uh, what, in, even in abstract way, what musical instrument is that person, or what painting is that person, uh, or what animal is that person? Hmm. You know, and to it, what it does is it, it stimulates your imagination, and that's what I think is the difference between good artistic expression and yes. bad artistic expression. Yeah. Yeah, and people take notice of it. Again, your acclaim with, uh, you know, going to, what school was that in London? I know you went to Yale for study, but the School of London in, for acting. Lambda, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Shakespearean actor. And uh, I mean, that just kind of, it seems like when people, you know, they'll go to Juilliard, uh, that it's, you know, it's the same experience where like a Rob Williams, he could do the comedy, like he could do, he could yeah. do serious. And so I guess that's grid preparation, including the, uh, you know, American greed as well. Um, do, do you have to get in the mind of these people too? I mean, it's like, I'm you, I know that you get the script. I understand the night before, but right. um, uh, you just wonder, you know, how easy is it? It's not like licking stamps when you read this thing. You, there's a, there is a certain preparation. You have to get into the mind of the, of the person perhaps. I mean, you're like, how can, what do they call that when you're standing on a fence or sitting on a fence, watching the whole situation among the narration that you do? That's, and you're bringing everyone into the story. Well, the narrator. 
Yeah, well, I think of myself in, in that context as sort of a, as a journalist in a way. I mean, as an you know, as a as a, a live journalist that has a, an, an identity that is kind of very judgmental and self righteous. To be honest with you, I mean, I, my 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 narrator on American Dream <laughs> loves to bust the bad guys. <laughs> Loves the you know, and the more time they spend in jail, the more time they spend in jail, the better. <laughs> was there? Did you always have that voice in mind, or would you ever? Did no, you it's something it, it sort of evolved. It evolved as with as the show progressed. Okay, a lot of it, with Chuck Shaper in the very beginning. This is about ten years ago. He said, "I really want us to hit the word guilty. Hit that word." <laughs> <laughs> so. And, and, and there are a few shows where it's a little over the top. I'm, you know, I'm afraid I went a little too far. I don't think uh, so. <laughs> we <wow>. love it. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all coming together. I mean, the the uh, the praise certainly, and uh, you talk about it in your book or everything you've done. But uh, man with a plan, you're going to be that has been renewed. What what are all the things that uh, uh, you're going to be doing? The one man play. You have, uh, and that's yeah. Man with a plan. Uh, how do you like working with uh, Matt LeBlanc? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's just a great group of kids, and I just love working with them. It's just wonderful, wonderful, and uh, the scripts are wonderful. It's a very happy situation. Well, I mean, Matt, first of all, really knows his way around comedy. I mean, good lord, I mean, he did t- ten years of Friends or twenty mm-hmm. years. Yes, and he's the sweetest guy in the world. He's so nice and so. He's nice to everybody, and and we, we're we're a very happy group. We're very happy, and I think that is reflected in the quality of the show. You know, as long as the scripts maintain a level of in, in where they are right now, I think we're, we'll be on the air for a while. Yeah, absolutely. When you get older, there's a little bit of that kind of like, you know, I'm going to let it rip here. I got nothing to lose. A lot yeah. of people feel that way. And so when it comes out in the in the acting and the, in the comedy, do you like that? Where the fact that like, yeah. you know, there's nothing, you know, there's a little bit of freedom when you get older. You could say, I don't, I don't care. Right. <laughs> exactly right. No, you're absolutely right. So I imagine you get some of the good lines too with that because with that. Yeah. Movie. Well, he does. I mean, he's the, uh, Yes, he does. I have one last question for you. I really, because, uh, you know, you're a private person, but if you could give us a glimpse and I'll just be quiet and listen, when it comes to you as a, um, a private person or just what, I know you live in Poland and you live in California and, um, but what is your life like? I mean, apart from the acting, just apart, just Stacy, the man, just, you know, waking up and having McDonald's or, or, or how, what is your life like? Well, I can give you my itinerary, like today, I wake up and I have breakfast, uh, and then I, I, I go to a nearby village, and, and they, have a, they have a saltwater pool, and I go into the hmm. saltwater pool, and I, I put a flotation device on my, around my waist, and I do like uh, hydrotherapy. I do sit-ups and... Wow. And bicycle, and I and I do this forty five minutes every day, every day, um, uh, except it was Sunday. Um, and then I come home, have lunch, um, and I generally then well I well it depends on because of the time difference. 
nine hours generally from here to California, I prepare, I, I go on, on, I look at my emails and answer my emails. And uh, uh, I read, I, I, I like to, read. one of the great things about being in Poland is, is I, I read a lot and sleep. <laughs> You yeah. can you can do that only in Poland. <laughs> I like one of the good things about being in Poland. You can read a lot. <laughs> there other, yeah, there are other things you do too. But uh, what kind of stuff do you, do you read? Oh, I read. I love thrillers, but I just read uh, James Comey's book, and I liked him very much. I hmm. but, I, but I like uh, I, John Grisham is my favorite author. I mean, I, but I like James Patterson, and I like Harlan Coben. I like thrillers. I like I like to escape kind of stuff. You know. And I read biographies as well. I, 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 and uh, yeah, I, I like to read. Because, you know, I imagine this is awkward for you because it's like people want to know, I want to know about you, like just as a person, right? But when you get in front of these uh, interviews on television, it's so often they, they're into the glitz and the glamour. But, you know, you're, are you ever surprised? Like, how come you don't ask me about I'm a regular person too. <laughs> no, no. I've, uh, with a great given, talent. <laughs> well, no, I don't know uh, because I know that that uh, I, I've been doing this for so long. I know what people want. Generally yeah. speaking. My wife and I just got back from Cannes um, from the, the festival. We were down there promoting uh, a film that I did with John Travolta, Gotti. Oh yes. About John Gotti. And, uh, and it was, it was a, very difficult experience for, for us because I've been to Cannes many times, but in this particular event, my wife and I were separated before we could get on the, on the, on the carpet. And I said, my, my wife's name is Malgosha, and they said, Malgosha, you got to come with us. Only Stacy can go on the carpet. Only people in the movie. What? <laughs> Come on! No! 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 <laughs> she was going off, and you know, suddenly I'm thrust onto the carpet. It was not a good experience. Uh, <laughs> Boy, that's that's you know, I don't know. I mean, not it, good. Not good. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it's a pretty area though. I know it's a little crazy. They get a little crazy over there in Cannes. Oh, it's crazy! It's a circus. It really is, and. Yeah. So if you had to do other roles like like Sin City, or you know, what what would be. I mean, you played almost every kind of character, to be quite frank. But uh, is there one that's missing in your in your budget? Yes. yes, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, I could see I, that. Yeah, I really want to play Teddy. I, I, uh, I, and I, I developed a script with Doug McIntyre about his trip down the Amazon with his son Kermit toward the end of his life, and and uh, we're trying to get that together. We're working on it. Yeah, would no, be, that would be wonderful. I could, fascinating character. Wonderful man. Wonderful, wonderful. Extraordinary. Yeah, but I'm also very happy about doing my live uh, Hemingway show, and um, I, I have every intention of taking it beyond Chicago if, uh, if all goes well in Chicago. Um, I'm sure it will. And it seems like, you know, the preparation is well worth it, though, when you get on stage or you do American Greed, the, uh, the narration. The, do you feel like you're on all eight cylinders once that, that's happening? Is that, does that give you life, all this? I mean, if you took it all yeah. away, you really wouldn't be that is, uh, alive, would oh, you? Yeah. Well, that's what I, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm on this planet for. That's what I do. And that's what, you know, I operate at my best, I think, when I'm working. I, 
it's hard for me to, in the past, it's been very difficult for me to take vacations unless I know that I've got a job waiting for me at the other end or I have something I have to do. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't relax in that respect very well. You know, like Jack Lemon, I mean, he was, he, after a successful and wonderful career he had, he would always call, after a movie, he would call his agent immediately and say, I'm out of work, I got to get it, what, what's next, what am mm-hmm. I doing and, and I have an element of that in my personality as well, which is I not heard, Regis Unless Philbin was like that too. I understand. Yeah. You know, he was just a like workaholic and in yeah. yourself and and uh, yeah. but um, well, I mean, well, people are going to tune into American Creed because of that. Uh, and <laughs> the the voice is. I I just um, uh, do you ever kind of like laugh when you're doing this? Like I don't believe that. Oh I yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and you I also what? like to do American Creed different accents too. Yeah. You can. What, you, what's that? To do it differently, instead of doing it in the American Greed. Right, style. yes. Yeah, I love it. You know, doing it like this and talking like that. You know, doing, yeah. Here's the story yeah. of a man who etched uh, death threats in the sunglasses there. And he That's gave right. it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, holding the holding on to the word, which my wife says, please be quiet, because I'm imitating all the time when I do this. But it, it's holding on to the word. You don't hear people. People talk very kind of like hushy today with these voiceovers you know that right. they don't hold on to the word like read you never hear them hold on to the whole word and i guess if you had to direct someone say hey guys first of all speak clearly you know and, and just, oh, that's a new thing today where you can't understand everything everybody says and they talk so right. fast but hold on to the word and for the impact and the pause the pausing is yeah well, if yeah. I'm ever in California, I'm going to take one of your, you, you teach acting classes, is that right? Well, I don't, I'm not teaching, no, not, not at the moment, no. No, but I have in the past, and I may yet again in the future, I don't know. But no, I'm not doing it right now, no. Well, I know that you do, um, you know, writing for movies when it comes to, um, how can I say, score, which is hard yeah. to do, I would imagine. I don't know where you learn how to do that in your spare time, to write movie scores, but... Um, you know, if you ever if you ever think of a theme song for us here at the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show, we'll just we'll replace it with what we have. Oh, you're very kind. Yeah, you better listen to it first. <laughs> <laughs> you're full. Thanks, yeah, you are so full of life. Uh, Stacy Keach, our special guest, his memoir, "All in All: An Actor's Life On and Off the Stage." Look for him with uh, all the programs. Uh, Man with a plan. Yeah. And uh, American greed, and uh, and we love you, and uh, thank you for being such a gentleman and a prince of a man, and very talented. God bless you. God bless. Thank you very much. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. 
And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.